Is this on? Am I on? All right, good. Um, I wanted to say another word about the prayer after, after the meeting. Um, it's good for us to corporately pray around people and pray for them. That, that's a good thing. And um, during, during worship, uh, Howard brought me a thought about um, what Sandy brought this morning and that he thought perhaps there were people here that were struggling with the fear. Maybe they were paralyzed by that fear. And so, um, so I think we both thought it would be good to address that through prayer, through corporate prayer. So let's do this. At the end of, of the message, we're going to pray for Dan, but then we'll also have um, Howard will be up here. I could be up here as well. If somebody has a specific need because they're in, they're in maybe bondage to that fear and they feel like trapped, they feel like they can't, um, they feel paralyzed and they want to be released from that, we can pray for that. We can pray specifically for that. So we'll do that up here as well, okay? So if anybody has that need, we'll do that. Um, open your Bibles, if you have them, uh, to Proverbs chapter 22. The title for this morning's message is Train Up a Child. Now before we get started, let me say a few words about this topic, which can be difficult for some. In particular, I'm speaking about those who don't have kids or who don't have kids yet. If it's been on your heart to have kids and you just you haven't you don't have yet that opportunity, um, I'm sure your your heart aches and my heart aches with you. Um, but this sermon talks a lot about children and our roles in their lives, either as parents, um, as relatives, or even as godly uncles and aunts of children in the church. Now, for whatever reason. Um, the Lord hasn't given children to everyone, and this can be hard, especially during sermons like this one. Uh, but I want to remind you, as Pastor Mark reminded me as I was preparing for this message, that our individual roles are ultimately established by God, which makes them the right roles for our lives. And our focus should be on the privilege of training up children to love the Lord, whether through our responsibility as parents raising our own children or as examples in living godly lives for the children of our church to follow. Okay? So if you're struggling in that area, I, I pray with you. I, my heart aches with you. But, but help, I, wanna, I want to help you look beyond that for this sermon and see how God can use you and how God can use this sermon for the good of his church. Amen. So I'll read the text and then I'll pray for the preaching of God's word. Proverbs 22, verse 6. That's our text this morning and it says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So Father, as we now open this text we ask that you would, you would open our ears and soften our hearts to hear the truth of your word, Father God. And I, I pray specifically that you would help me to be clear this morning, that my, my words and my actions and my, my stories and my uh, revealing of the text would be clear, that people would, would not struggle with them, but they would, 
It would help them to understand your truth, Father. Help me this morning. Help the Holy Spirit, or use the Holy Spirit this morning with us to convey what you would have us learn and, and know this morning, Father God. So I pray for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I first told my wife that I was going to do a sermon on Proverbs 22.6, train up a child, I got this look of, uh-oh, <laughs> um, real confidence booster. <laughs> um, I, she, her eyes were darting, darting around. I could tell she was trying to think of what to say next to me. Um, and uh, although she didn't say this, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if she had said, maybe we can move out of state or or." Maybe you can call in sick that Sunday. <laughs> uh, I think she said something like, you know, this is a big verse in the homeschooling community. And at first, those words kept ringing in my head over and over and over again. You know, this is a big verse in the homeschooling community. <laughs> and I started thinking, could I be about to offend a large portion of our church? Then I thought, nah, that never stopped me before. <laughs> but as I studied the verse, the more I found that this, that there is, there is a lot to glean from this verse, despite the potential to offend someone because they hold this verse uh, dear to their heart as a promise from God, that if they raise their children in the, in the Lord, he or she will never leave the faith. And at first glance, this verse sounds like a wonderful promise to God-fearing parents from the creator of marriage and family itself that if they do it right, if they raise their kids the right way, they will grow up to be upstanding Christians in the local church. What parent doesn't wish to hear that? Oh, those are Fred and Ethel's. They are lo such lovely children. What a beautiful Christian family they are. Pillars of the community. Who doesn't want to hear that? And there's also this unquenchable hope that our children will remain in the faith that they were raised in when they become adults. You may have even heard today's preachers and commentators explain this verse as a guarantee. Raised in the faith, never leave. But regrettably, this is a misunderstanding. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it, is not a guarantee that if you raise your child in the faith, that they will remain in the faith all of their life. So, if you are of this mindset, and you're beginning to become a little offended, please bear with me for a while longer. I intend to show you why 
why this verse is not a guarantee. Plus, I plan to unpack the responsibility that we have as parents in Proverbs 22.6, as well as show you where we can put our trust when it comes to our children. Okay? So let's begin with point number one. Why Proverbs 22.6 is not a guarantee. The promises of God include many benefits for following His ways, obeying His laws, living um, and obeying His way of life. Now, here are two profound promises to His people. And the key word here is His people, the people He has chosen for Himself. In Hebrews 8.10, it says this, For this is the covenant, the promise, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, he declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In Revelation 21.3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. The promises of God include many benefits, like him being with us. But they do not include a guarantee to parents that if you raise your children in the faith, if you rear them in the faith, that they will stay in the faith. It just doesn't say that. If that were true... If it were true that if you raise your children in the faith that they would never leave the faith as promised by God, then Christ wouldn't have needed to go to the cross. Jesus wouldn't have needed to sacrifice his life and pay the price for the sins of man so that we could avoid the wrath meant for us. be reconciled to God the Father if we believed in his salvation and accepted the grace given by God himself. None of that, none of that would have had to happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? If it was true that just by rearing our children in the faith would guarantee that they would never leave the faith, Christ would not have had to die on the cross. For the sins of man. And people would simply say to God, I must be allowed into heaven because my parents raised me in the faith. They may not have done it perfectly, but they did do their best. I was sent to church every Sunday, I was taught how to read the Bible. Or they could say, I should be allowed to pass because my parents tried but failed miserably to raise me in the faith and therefore, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Even so, how many believe that they could even raise their children perfectly? 
Raise your hand if you believe you could raise your child perfectly. Let the record show for those listening on audio that no one raised their hand. <laughs> I love this church. A bunch of people who know they're not perfect. As it is, the bar is too high even for us to live a perfect, sinless life. Much less raise another human being perfectly. Jesus Christ died so that I might have life if I believe and confess him as my Savior. It is the only way one can be reconciled to God. Let me say that again. It is the only way that one can be reconciled to God. It's the only way we were justified in His sight. Not by whether we were raised in the faith as children, not by our own merit, but by the sacrifice and shed blood of the Son of God. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. You see, it's not by what I've done. It's not by any merit that I own. Only by his wounds am I healed. I am free. I am free. I am free indeed. John 8, 36, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Praise God. Even if we, we are raised properly, even if we are raised properly, trained up to follow in the way of the Lord, at some point, we ourselves have to make a choice. We have to choose Him. Everyone who is called to the Lord must choose Him. We must confess with our hearts and with our mouths that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We must confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We must choose to repent of our sinful ways and follow him and his ways. When we choose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive this. In Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We choose Christ, and God makes us alive together with Christ. Not by merit, not by anything we've done to deserve this gift, not as a result of works, but 
by His grace, saved through faith. Faith in the only one able to pay for our debt. Faith in the one who died on the cross for my sins. Faith in the one who died on the cross for your sins. Faith in His righteousness alone. And it's up to us to choose Him. So I hope this explanation helps you to see why Proverbs 22.6 is, is not a guarantee that raising our children in the faith will mean that they will never leave the faith. So why is this verse in the Bible? Why are we commanded to train up our child in the way he should go? If the work I do with my kids doesn't guarantee their salvation, why put in the work? Why train up my child? What does the second part of the text, even when he is old, he will not depart from it, mean? Well, it means what it means. It means what it means. What it doesn't mean is that it is a guarantee that our child will never depart from the faith. We've established that. So what does it mean? What it does mean is that he will not depart from the training if you are dedicated to it. And he will not depart from the way, either wisdom or folly, depending on which you're dedicating to train a child up in. To help us understand this more clearly, let, let's break down the text a little bit. There are two words we need to look at. The words are train and way. Now, the Hebrew verb translated for train is used in three other instances in the Bible. They're in uh, Deuteronomy 25, 1 Kings 8, 63, and 2 Corinthians 7, 5. And in each of these, um, the word refers to dedicating houses, whether of, of a man or of God, the house of God, for example. So the use of the word here would suggest uh, for parents to actively devote or commit, in other words, dedicate, right, their child, not a house, but their child, to a course of action, specifically the action being the way he should go. Okay, that's train. Now let's look at the word way, or in the way he should go. Right? In the Hebrew, this translates to according to the dictates of his way. According to the dictates of his way. So in full, the text reads, dedicate a youth according to the dictates of his way. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, remember that in Proverbs, there are essentially two ways. The way of wisdom in life and the way of folly and death. Now take note of some of these verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 22.5 says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Proverbs 11.5, The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Proverbs 14.2, 
Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Proverbs 16, 17. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. The reason this is significant is because, unfortunately, the way of the youth is often negative. If left to themselves, the young lack judgment. Proverbs 7, 7 says, I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. He's describing a young man, someone who's lacking sense. Proverbs twenty two fifteen, folly, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. If left to themselves, the young lack judgment, and without discipline, the young bring disgrace on their parents. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself brings shame to his mother. You see, in all of Proverbs, we are exhorted to discipline our children. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting them putting him to death. So the way he should go is obviously, I would hope in in all our cases as parents and caregivers, the way he should go is towards the way of wisdom and life. And this requires training or dedication to, or put in another word, uh, committing them to the way of wisdom and life. Someone who is dedicated to wisdom will stay wise. Someone who is dedicated to folly who will remain in folly will stay a fool. So how does our, our, how does our role as parents work in all of this? Well, let's look at that in point number two. The responsibility of parents in Proverbs 22, 6. We just covered the two ways described in all of Proverbs, the way of wisdom and the way of folly, the way of of wisdom and life and the way of folly and death. The two are given because we must choose which way to go. And Proverbs is certainly a blessing from God because it instructs us, it informs us of the two ways so that we can make a wise choice. we are left to ourselves, we would automatically choose death because folly is bound up in our heart as children. We just read that in Proverbs 22.6. Our text this morning is instructing parents not to leave our children to themselves, but to dedicate them to the way they should go. That's what verse 6 is saying to us. Hey, parents... Pay attention. Look what I'm telling you. Dedicate your child in the way he should go and he will never leave it. It does not say leave your child to do what they want to do by themselves. Because 
Folly is in the heart of a child. There are other places in the Bible where God is telling us to choose life. Here's one example. This is the lengthy text. Unfortunately, we couldn't get it on the slide behind me, but, but listen closely. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to speed through it. It's Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 20, if you're, if you're writing or taking notes. And God's Word says this, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. He's laying it out there for us. And he's telling us, choose life. But how are we to know to make a choice and a good choice unless we are instructed, unless we are trained up in the way we should go? This is where our sovereign has purposefully and perfectly placed you as the parent of your child. He has sovereignly given you the responsibility to train up your child to dedicate them in the way he should go. And as parents, we certainly have the main responsibility. God has given them to us, and he has given us as parents to them. Throughout Scripture, God is pretty clear about the responsibility he places in the hands of parents to raise our kids in the fear of the Lord. None more clear than Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, which says this, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Teach them diligently when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise. So as parents, we have a clear understanding of our responsibility. It is to teach them His ways at all times. But notice, our verse this morning doesn't say, train up your child in the way he should go. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, which is a more general sense. It's not limited to only parents, although parents have the main responsibility for their children. That's a given. This is a call for adults to train up children, i.e. non-adults. Any child that is entrusted to you, a child that is put in your care, which includes foster children, children of relatives, children in the church, if they are put in your care, like in children's ministry. Now, certainly we can't go around trying to train up any child off the street. Uh, that would be wrong and could cause the authorities to come knocking on your door. Um, but I'm talking about children that are placed in your care, which you should understand and take seriously as a big responsibility. Big responsibility, you see, because, because children are like sponges. They soak up everything. The good with the bad. <laughs> you ever watch a child and you see, you see them do something or say something that reminds you of an adult? Sometimes it can be embarrassing. Ooh, that was my wife right there. <laughs> He learned that from his grandpa. Ha ha. Grandma says that all the time. It can be funny at times, but it, it can also be alarming. Especially as a parent, if you find that they're learning something that you wouldn't find appropriate for them to learn. It's probably when you need to sit down with the people you entrust your children to and, and have a heart-to-heart. Paul encourages the Ephesians to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. He says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Huh? Be imitators of God as beloved children. Interesting. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This, this should encourage us to be imitators of God since our children are imitators of us. If our children are seeing how we act towards God, then they too will know how they should act towards God. It will become part of their fabric, part of their life. 
They'll see us sin, but they should also see us confess our sin, repent and ask for forgiveness. They'll see how we react to struggles and suffering. They'll see how we honor God during times of blessing and times of hardship. If we are imitating God and our children are imitating us, then they will grow up knowing what it means to follow Christ. Now, while the responsibility to train a child in the way he should go is high, it should not go without saying that, that God is sovereign, even in our failures or when we do it poorly. Which brings us, brings us to my last point for this morning. Promises to trust regarding our children. Promises to trust regarding our children. Number one, we can trust that bringing up children in the way they should go, bringing them up in, in the way of the Lord, teaching them to fear the Lord and to obey His commandments enables them to have a better path to salvation. While it doesn't ensure them salvation, it doesn't guarantee salvation, it does enable them to be more open to hearing the gospel than someone who was brought up in the way of the world. Does bringing them up in the way of the world prevent them from receiving the gospel and hearing about salvation and being saved? No. Certainly God is able to save regardless of their knowledge of Him or, or how they were raised. But they may be less likely to turn towards Him and choose Him if they despise the way of the wise. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Number two, we can put our trust and hope in God and not in our efforts when it comes to training up a child in the way he should go. We can rest in His sovereignty over our children. Parents who don't put their trust in God may fall into condemnation if, if they fail to see their child remain in the faith when they become adults. Because they're relying on their own ability to, to, to keep their children in the faith rather than relying on God's sovereignty over them. See, we're, we're not equipped to bear the burden of, of our child's eternity. Only, only God is able to do that. Number three, saturate them with the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Teach them diligently. Speak to your children of God's ways when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, at all times. Number four, be imitators of God so that you will faithfully be a good example to your children of how to love and honor God. This will bring blessings upon them. Let them see your faith lived out. Your faith is not just for Sunday morning. Let them see your affections for the Creator and Savior. 
They need to see how precious Jesus is to mom and dad. And not just in things that are at home, but at church and in the world. Teach them how to do devotions and how to pray by letting them see you do these things. Not just as something that you do as a Christian, but so that they understand how important they are to you in your walk. Number five, model how precious the gospel is to you. Model how precious the gospel is to you. Teach them what the gospel means to your life and how it informs and directs your walk in a broken world. Let them see that when you fail or stumble, you rely on the gospel for an assurance of your salvation through Christ. They will soon see that mom and dad aren't perfect. But that's okay because they rely on the work of Christ on the cross. So that means that I can rely on that too when it comes time for me to choose. Number six, be a part of a local church that preaches the gospel and relies on the Bible as the word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Let them hear God's word. Number seven, require obedience as the Father requires obedience of us. This is one of the most difficult ones. Don't be lazy in training your child to be obedient. Don't be lazy in training your child to be obedient. Show them just as God loves us through discipline. Revelations 3.19 says, those whom, those whom I love, I reprove in dis discipline. We too are loving them through discipline. We must be consistent with our punishments as well as our promises of reward when they obey. Be consistent. Don't be lazy. And lastly, rest in the sovereignty of God over your children. God saves children out of failed and unbelieving parenting. Our role is not to save them. It is to train them up in the way they should go. Salvation is through God's unbelievable grace and mercy, not through our training efforts, whether they be perfectly good or not. As the band comes up, let me, let me close with, with these last thoughts. As the band comes up, the singular guy band. Believing that Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it, is a guarantee that they will not stray from the faith when they become adults, is a misunderstanding of the text. If that is or was your understanding, I, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit used me this morning to shed light on God's truth regarding this very important verse. 
We do have a responsibility as parents to raise them, to train them up, to dedicate them in the way of the Lord. That should be our purpose. Our role as parents and caregivers uh, to dedicate, to commit our children to the way of wisdom and life while continuing to pray for the salvation of our children, which we must entrust to the Lord who is able. We can trust in His sovereignty over our children. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us as parents, as relatives, as aunts and uncles of children in the church, as caregivers. Father, help us. Let us be imitators of you, Father. Let us be good examples of what it is to follow Christ, to understand the gospel. Let us dedicate our children to the way of the Lord. Help us, Father. Help us to remember that it's not our job to save them. That is not what we're purposed to do by you, Father. Our role as parents, our role as caregivers is to dedicate them to you, Father, in your way of life. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.